and welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka, and this is our super cool co-host. Hi, I'm Aaron. Awesome. So today we have a case that is tragically not unique. And while I think most of you won't have heard about it yet, the basics of the story are going to feel all too familiar for you true crime buffs. Is there a murder? There's a murder. And there's a lot of murder. And I have to say, I just assume anyone who's listening to this is a true crime buff. So I'm expecting you to notice why I say it's similar to a lot of other cases. Okay. This case will probably remind you of the Watts and Powell cases that are fairly recent. But this one hasn't been covered as, as much, in my opinion. There's not as many, like, specials, not as many articles. So I did want to do that on the show today. Uh, So you've probably figured this out, but we are going to be talking about a family annihilator today. What's that? All right. I wasn't expecting you to ask that question, Erin, but I will tell you a family annihilator is someone who wipes out their entire family. Um, Sometimes they also kill themselves. Actually, in about 81% of cases, we're going to talk about that later. The family annihilator murders their entire family and then kills themselves. Man, that's terrible. Yeah, it's pretty awful. It's probably one of the worst crimes and also one of the scariest. Just because almost in every one of these cases, not so much the Powell case, but in a lot of these cases, before the murder happens, people view the family as being well-adjusted, They're the couple's a good couple, the kids are great kids, the parents love their kids, they're doing things with their kids, they're playing sports with them, they're going to theme parks, they're living in a nice house. Everything looks so perfect until the one day when every single family member is murdered. Gotcha. So this is like one of those, he was the nicest guy, I can't believe this happened, murderers. Yeah, that's pretty you. much what happens in these cases. All right, now, but you're also going to notice a few unique details that I think make this case stand out and not in a good way because some messed up stuff is about to happen. Hopefully, you all agree with me that this case is important. All right, now, today we are in Celebration, Florida, a community located near the Walt Disney World Resort. And in fact, Celebration was originally designed by the Disney company in the 1990s. Little company town, basically. Um, kind of. It's really weird. I had never heard of it. And when I was coming across articles, it seemed like a lot of people just know what Celebration Florida is. Um, spoilers, though, I've never been to Walt Disney World. Um, I grew up in a poor family. Yeah, we <laughs> so, got to get you to Disney World, girl. So, so we didn't like, we didn't do that. That wasn't a thing <laughs> that was on my horizon until I was an adult. And then everyone I know is like obsessed with Disney. And I'm over here just kind of cool. Yeah. Like, so you went to a castle. That's not a real castle. That's really nice. Look, one day, one day, <laughs> I'm going to take my princess to see Disney Disney World, where all the other princesses are. Oh, and then she's going to stay because she's like, I found my castle. I don't I'm think a that's princess. What's happen. I can't go home. You know, <laughs> people are going to stop listening to this. They're like, I don't want to listen to them anymore with this castle stuff. Maybe we will go eventually when COVID stops. So the town is called Celebration, and it definitely has like this picturesque uh, view that they've they've created basically like they designed a beautiful storybook type town that's what a lot of articles referred to it was storybook and I think it's because they're modeling it off of this whole Disney ideal because Disney is like part of like it's right next to it and some of the roads are the same and they have Disney celebrations there and things like that so it definitely has this whole like family celebration vibe I was going for another word but apparently we're just gonna <laughs> stick
stick with it. We're just going to go oh. with it. Hey, they named it Celebration because <laughs> it because it, it's a p- appropriate, right? Yes. Yeah. And so they have this really cute town square. It's all the housing is very upscale. There's a lot of waterfront properties. And Disney actually hired some designers to put special touches on things. So like the, the street signs and the manhole covers and things like that are like really cutesy because they hired actual like artists to make them. That's a cool detail. I know. It's super cool. So we basically have the closest thing that you can get to living a fairy tale, just like in a hot, sweaty swamp. Yeah. A literal fairy tale. Yeah. A A literal fairy tale. A Florida fairy tale. Florida fairy tale. That sounds like the name of a podcast. There you go. Florida fairy tale. I feel like the all of the stories are about alligators trying to eat shit. Yeah, I think so. Actually. I'm not in like beers. No offense, Florida. We live in Texas, so we can't judge. Yes, that, that is very true. <laughs> all right. Now, unfortunately, that fairy tale would become a nightmare for one family in December 2019, which is very recent. That is very recent. All right. So the Tot family, that's T-O-D-T, rented a home at 202 Reserve Place in Celebration, where they'd been living since May 2019. Now, it's a historic-looking home with a wide front porch, spacious rooms, and a pool out back. You can find pictures of this one online because they do give you the address, and so I just looked it up. Nice. I'm basically a stalker now. (laughs) Hey, you know, for a good cause. For a good, for you, for all of you listening out there, I'm stalking all of our people and all of our stories. (laughs) All right, so 42-year-old Megan Todd shared her home with her husband, 44-year-old Anthony, who was called Tony, and her kids, Alec, 13, Tyler, 11, and Zoe, who was only four. The family also had a dog named Breezy that completed their household. And I feel like for a Florida dog, Breezy is like the best name. I do think that's a pretty appropriate name yeah. for a dog in Florida. I don't know if, if the dog started out in Florida because they actually moved. We're about to find that out. But Breezy is like the best name ever for a Florida dog. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, Megan is described as a loving, dedicated mother who enjoys spending time with her children. So they have this really tight-knit family. There's a lot of pictures of the kids playing and of Megan basically hugging on the kids that you can find online. So we have this really sweet mother-child relationship that's happening. Right. A lot of love there. Yes. Now, Tony Todd um, supported his family by working as a physical therapist. However, his practice was actually back in Colchester, Connecticut, and the family had recently moved from Connecticut to Florida. And later, he would actually explain to authorities that the reason for the move allegedly was to help Megan recover from depression and other illnesses. I'm immediately suspicious of this. I'm also suspicious of this um, because I just don't know if that's like the first thing you do necessarily for like mental health reasons like I'm not sure what's so bad about Connecticut and I also have to say whenever I saw that it was Colchester Connecticut I like <laughs> freaked out because of the 90 day fiance right yeah so we watch we haven't been watching the last few episodes because our TV's being a butt but we <laughs> we are so obsessed with 90 day fiance and like several of the people live around Colchester so I was just like oh my gosh crossover <laughs> pretty there's much there's a crossover here between our podcast and 90 day fiance yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's happening in our lives. <laughs> that We're trying to get on that show because my brother has a night-day fiancé. I'm not going to get into that, but maybe one day. <laughs> maybe they'll be on the show and then we can be on the show and then we can be like, cool. We're going to look like stupid morons, aren't we? No, of course not. Look, 100% we are. Look, that's not possible. You and I are the coolest All people right. on the planet. We are pretty cool. All right. Maybe maybe she can come throw away 
his fiance can throw away my junk food because I have like so much junk food over here from the quarantine. Actually, that's kind of a lie. I have some candy. I can't eat gluten, so I can't eat all the really good junk food. There you go. All right. So whatever the reason for their move, Todd traveled between the two states every week, working in Colchester during the week and then spending weekends with his family in Florida. That sounds stressful for me personally, like doing that much traveling, like even pre-pandemic, that's just, yeah, that's not something I would want to do. I'm not 100% why he didn't just try to start a new practice in Florida. I mean, I know it's not easy to just, like, open a business. Trust me. But, like, isn't that better than flying back and forth? You would think so. I mean, I think just, like, not having to play, pay for plane tickets would seem like that would be helpful. Yeah, for sure. You could kind of count that towards your income. Yes, you could. All right. Now, according to some sources, it wasn't uncommon for the house to be empty in Florida because sometimes the whole family would travel back to Connecticut, to get, Connecticut together. And that's super important because it's what allows Tot's crime to go un- undiscovered for kind of a long time, considering. Okay. All right. Now, family members started to worry about the family around December 29th. Now, they hadn't heard from any of the Tots for several days, and it's possible not even from, like, the middle of the month. They may have been missing at this point for a couple weeks. It's unclear because there's different reports. Wow, that's crazy. Yes, but for sure at least a few days. Now, Tony had told everyone that the family had the flu, but family members could still sense that something was off. So they called the police and sent them over there to do a wellness check. Good for them. Yes, good for them. Definitely call in those wellness checks. Although these police, I feel like, remind me of the Home Alone wellness check where she's just like, he's the guy goes and he just says, there's no one home. Tell them to count their kids again. <laughs> it's not really that bad, but what ends up happening is the deputies do go to investigate. By all appearances, no one was home. Just like in Home Alone, but should tell you something. Yes, it should. All right. Now, the officers did go and ask around, and the neighbors said they hadn't noticed anything off. There was nothing odd, nothing suspicious to report. And so the officers si- simply just took a look around the property, couldn't see anything out of place, and since they had no reason to suspect a problem, they just had to leave and just assume everything was okay. Man, that's unfortunate. I mean, I guess... I guess the the family, like the murder had already happened, I guess. So maybe there was... Spoilers, it's not okay. (laughs) All right. So, however, the family rightly did not stop worrying. They still hadn't heard from Megan or the kids. So they started posting on social media asking for help, which is a great idea because it really gets the word out. Absolutely. All right. Now, members of the community also started sharing these posts, including photos of the family, hoping to find them. And soon, a Facebook group that was dedicated to finding the family had a 2,500 members. That's a lot of people. Yeah, and it had to be very fast because, I mean, we're talking like the 29th is when the family really starts raising the alarm, and it may be about a week later-ish. They already have like 2,500 members, which is pretty good. That's very good. All right, now January 9th, 2020, things really start heating up because the county sheriff's office got another call to visit the Tot household, but this time the request came from federal agents who wanted to serve an arrest warrant for healthcare fraud. Uh-oh, that's not good. Yes, so as it turns out, spoilers, Tony was being investigated by the United States Department of Health and Human Services because he allegedly defrauded insurance companies and Medicaid of about $130,000. 
Oh my god, that's so much money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Although, to be fair, based on all the fraud that he did, and he did it for a while, I was kind of shocked he didn't get more money. Like, I mean, if you're going to fraud people, maybe go big? I don't know. Go big or go home, basically? Maybe he was hoping that by, like, keeping it slightly smaller, because it was, like, kind of a long time that he did it over, so it seems like that might have not been as much as he maybe could have gotten. Yeah. But maybe he was hoping he wouldn't get caught. Maybe. I mean, I guess he... So what he was doing is that, allegedly, what he was doing is that he was billing insurance companies for procedures that he never did, like for things, for tests and stuff that he never did in appointments, and also sometimes appointments that didn't happen. What a scam artist. Yeah, and what was really gross is, like, some of his patients that he, like, scammed were children. I know it's not, like, the patients themselves that he scammed, but still, these are kids, and you're telling the insurance company they're having all these procedures done, which is not cool. Yeah, it's just, it's distasteful for me mm-hmm. now he did owe about a hundred thousand dollars in loans that he took out to support the business that he wasn't able to pay so there's a theory that he was doing this scamming to try to get money to pay that bill which is crazy that is crazy. All right. Now, he was also being investigated by the Connecticut Office of the Attorney General under the False Claims Act, and I have no idea why. <laughs> I could not find that answer for you, and I'm so sorry, but something about false claims, I'm assuming being fake. Makes sense. Maybe it was the fraud part. Maybe there's like, it's both the fraud. Could be. Either way, Anthony slash Tony wasn't so squeaky clean after all, and officers went and visited the home on January 10th and 11th looking for him to arrest him but again it appeared as no one was home yeah nobody ever seems to be home i know it's weird too because that was like the weekend so based on his own schedule he was supposed to be in florida over that weekend and they basically just went both days and no one was home and so the police are like well we're trying to arrest him i don't know what you want from us (laughs) right all right now since the sheriff's department was struggling to find him they end up watching the home because they're thinking like at some point someone's gonna come right yeah, you would think so. All right, so they finally hit Pater on Monday, January 13th, when they saw Tony walk through the front door of the house. They got him now. All right, so they go up to the door. Like, they have their wanted man. They're going to knock on the door, but it's just open. So they just walked in after him, which feels wrong, but it's Florida, and I think they have, like, no rules over there. <laughs> There's just zero rules in Florida. No offense, yeah. Florida. Florida's just, just like the Wild West or the Wild Yeah, East, so the cops just basically walk in, and immediately... They smell this foul smell emanating from the home. Uh Uh-oh. That's a bad sign. Yeah, it's a bad sign. So they ask him where his wife and children are. All right. So here's where it gets, what? So initially, he says his wife was upstairs and he thought she was asleep. And in one of the articles about this, one of the cops says that he actually called out her name. Like, as if you would if you thought your wife was asleep. Like, Megan! Like, the cops are here. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Like, did he think they were just going to, like, get fooled and go away? I don't know what he... I don't know what he was thinking exactly, but what ends up happening is they also call for Megan. She doesn't respond, so the officers decide to go check on her. And upstairs, they found an unspeakable tragedy. Oh, of course they did. Yes. So the deputies go and they look inside the master bedroom and first they notice a body wrapped in a blanket and outside of that blanket at the bottom sticking out of it is a discolored black and blue foot. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. So they know they have a problem. So they go in there and they find Megan and the two boys on the bed right away. They see them there. Oh, wow. 
And they also see Breezy. Oh, no. He killed the, the dog. dog. He killed the dog, too. Oh, my God. All right. Why? So, at first, they're looking for the little girl, right? Yeah. She's four. They can't find her. They're looking everywhere. They actually go ask him, where's your daughter? And he tells them that she might have gone to a sleepover. Really? Yeah, that sounds like... That's total bullshit. He like, also... What, what are you doing? speculate that she might be in a closet somewhere okay so she's either at a sleepover or she's in a closet like those are really yes. like opposed options mm-hmm. you know it's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the police are looking for this four-year-old child zoe in the house and finally they find her and she's wrapped in a blanket and she's at the bottom of the bed basically kind of at her mom's feet oh, wow. that's where they found her okay just awful yeah for real all right now right away they could tell that these murders were not recent as the bodies had already started to decompose and we're talking like really not recent like a couple weeks not recent man that is just disgusting mm-hmm. all right and he's been staying here okay just don't forget that part about it that's creepy okay so megan and her kids are all lying there and each of the victims have been drugged with diphenhydramine which is called which is also benadryl that's the the brand name of that is of diphenhydramine is, is Benadryl. And in fact, they had so much Benadryl in their systems that it had become toxic to them. Okay, so I, I feel like a bad person for asking this, but like, is it possible that when he said they were at a sleepover, he meant because he'd given them Benadryl to put them to sleep? I like, don't think that's what he meant. Yeah, like, is it possible he's just like that that sick of a guy that he would make a joke about? No, I don't think he was joking. I think he was trying to set up an insanity plea, being honest, or that he was maybe hoping that they wouldn't go look and they'd just leave. I mean, he knows eventually someone's going to find them because that's a rented house and they're being evicted. Yeah. Oh, that was going to get to that. But Sorry. yeah, they're being evicted. Spoilers. Yeah, because that, that comes out later. But anyway, they are being evicted. So clearly, eventually someone's going to find these bodies. But I'm not really sure what his reasoning is, but he does try to pretend like he forgets everything. So I'm thinking maybe that could be part of it, too. Is like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot that I murdered them. <laughs> that's like what he's going for, everyone. <laughs> that's crazy. You know, it's like, where did I put my car keys? And oh, yeah, I, f- I forgot that mm-hmm. I murdered my family. Exactly. So after he gave them Benadryl in a pie, so fun fact, after he gave them Benadryl, he also stabbed most of them. So Megan had two stabs to her upper abdomen, and the knife used on her had a blade that was at least eight inches long. Oh my god, that ouch. Yeah, so a big a big knife, and that's going to be important later, so hold on to that eight inches for later on. Okay, now Alec and Tyler, the two boys, had each been stabbed once in their abdomen. And their clothes were stained with blood. And if you want to be sad and horrified, a lot of the articles about this crime have pictures of the clothes for some reason that they just include against your will. Oh, man, that is not something I want to see. No, it's, it was not something that I particularly wanted to see. I tried to scroll past them, but I did get glimpses and it was gross. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, I don't really think that kind of evidence needs to be shown in the news, but that's my opinion. Yeah. These are, these are kids, so. That is true. All right, now, little Zoe showed no signs of injury. Injuries, but she was dead and it's possible that she might have been like smothered or strangled because he mentions that later on when he's inventing stories about what happened so it's possible that could have happened but the official like reports about from the medical examiner's office did not specify exactly what happened there just that she died by homicide Gotcha. All right. Now, based on the scene, authorities suspect that Tony Todd may have slept in the room with his murdered family at some point during the weeks after the brutal slayings. Because this was the master bedroom and there appeared to be some sort of sleeping area that he was using in the same room. Man, I can't imagine that. 
like sleeping in, in the same room as a bunch of dead bodies. Like It's messed up. Yeah. It's messed up. Very much so. All right. Now, authorities, as they discovered the bodies, they noticed that Todd started shaking. He seemed really unstable. And he ended up telling them that he took an overdose of Benadryl before they arrested him. And so at that point, they're not sure, but they think he might have been trying to kill himself by taking like a whole bottle of Benadryl. So they ended up taking him to the hospital to be treated. And he was actually in the hospital for two whole days while they treated him for this possible suicide attempt wow yeah now while this was all happening as they were arresting him as they were finding these bodies they also gathered two hunting knives that were covered in blood and two empty boxes of benadryl and a bottle of liquid diphenhydramine that they believed that he had used to kill his family that makes sense yeah so he actually kept like old old empty bottles too which is weird but okay yeah made no attempt to cover any of that up i guess i guess so all right not that we're in favor of him to clarify don't commit crimes yes please don't we're just saying it's weird yes all right because he had like three weeks exactly probably all right now according to the evidence one of the sons woke up during the attack and tried to fight him off even though he had had that benadryl they weren't like they weren't it wasn't so much benadryl that it could really fully kill the 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 boys and the and the mom but it was enough to put him to sleep but apparently he did wake up gotcha however the little boy was no match for his father so he still killed his son yeah i mean that makes sense but it's just so sad and so just needless you know Mm -hmm. now authorities end up charging him with four counts of first degree murder and one count of animal cruelty when they arrested him on june 13th and in february a grand jury indicted him on these charges good yes now although the bodies were found in mid-january the authorities determined that the family had probably been killed in late December, possibly as early as mid-December. And part of the reason why they base it on this is not just the level of decomposition, but the fact that they didn't find any Christmas tree, holiday decorations, wrapping paper, presents, nothing that gave an indication that the family was celebrating the holiday, even though they normally would be. And so they think that the, the family never got started in setting up for Christmas. Man, that's so sad. Those poor kids didn't even get to last Christmas. That's true. Well, technically they did because last year, but... You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Either way, just maybe don't do it. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm wondering if maybe, like, we know that part of the reason why he did this was financial reasons. Like, obviously he's about to be arrested for the fraud. We know that he's in debt. I'm wondering if maybe he wanted to do it before Christmas so that he wouldn't have to pay for Christmas presents. Yeah, that that would would make sense. You know, like, not wait till afterwards so that he didn't spend all that money. Yeah, yeah. Which, in a way, makes it especially bad i don't know if it's kind of hard because this is already like peak bad this is already like level 10 out of 10 bad yeah but it just makes it even worse somehow like he's just even more evil yeah it's just so selfish it's all of it selfish that's what the thing about family annihilators though they're very selfish all right so sheriff russ gibson told news six that Todd confessed to the crime and there's multiple references the sheriff's office stands by this that he gave a confession but later he said that he didn't remember any thing from the weeks of like following the crimes and also the first week he was in jail this is what tot says later and he also says that he doesn't even remember what he confessed to like he just acknowledges that they might have a confession but he pretends like oh i don't even know what i said likely story yeah and i feel like if you're the police officers like we all know that there's false confessions but with the evidence they have against this guy like he i don't know if this is the time where you try to force a confession just because i mean you got to be looking at the scene and saying to yourself okay 
Yeah. What else happened here? <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, do you even do you even need a confession when you have that much evidence? I don't know if you... I mean, I think a, a confession helps. I just... I feel like it's not the same kind of thing where they, like, just are hoping to close this case and they just round up someone. I don't know. I'm just saying I really don't... They don't... The, the timeline is, like... It, the, pres- the timeline presented insinuates that he essentially immediately confesses, like, yeah, I just tried to kill myself with Benadryl just like I killed all them. Like, that... <laughs> I just, the fact that he used the same thing, too, it's like, okay. Right. Not at all suspicious, right? Like, totally Mm -hmm. what an innocent person would do. Yes. Now, I think part of the reason why he's changing his story, because what ends up happening on June 19th of 2020. Okay. So, this is very recently. Right. Real recent. All right. Because remember, the whole crime occurred at the end of 2019. And he was, like, caught at the beginning of January 2020. So, we're on June 19th, 2020. Tony sends a letter to his father, Robert. And in this 27-page letter, he claims that his wife killed their three kids and then herself. Oh, come on now. You're not going to blame the... Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Yes. Now, if you have been listening to these family annihilator stories, a lot of times when the husband survives or just doesn't kill himself, he ends up at some point blaming his wife. This happened in the Watts case. And there's another one that's really famous that I forget the name. It's like, I think it took place in Washington. And he tried to blame his wife too even though he obviously freaking murdered all of them and i think this is just like a thing that they try where they're like oh no like my wife totally did it and sometimes they killed the wife to punish her but either way like they're they have a victim that they're blaming and if you recall one of the things that makes me like the most mad is when people start blaming their victim for anything oh yeah absolutely. for like literally any part of it yeah i mean it's such bullshit you know all right so this is his dumb story that he tells he says that on the day of the murders he the hero father had gone to the condo that they own to do some repair work. Now, pause for two seconds. I am not understanding why they are renting this big fancy house that they can't afford when they literally have a condo that they're renting out, but okay. Yeah, that doesn't make any kind of sense. If you have money trouble, why would you do that? We're definitely going to come back to that when we make fun of him later. Gotcha. Okay, so he had gone to the condo that they own to heroically do some repair work like a big strong father. (laughs) He says that he planned to sleep at the condo that night for some reason, but realized he left all of his tools at home. Oh, really? Come on. Mm -hmm. No. So he's gone there to do work, but he's left all the tools at home on accident? Yeah, just by accident. Really? It just slipped his mind. Like, that's the one thing he was supposed to bring, but okay. Right. You had one job. All right. So he goes back to the house to get these tools. And before gathering them, he sees his children, his two boys, and they're playing basketball outside the home. And so in a a move that makes total sense in real life, he joins them, the heroic, strong father figure that he is, and plays basketball with them, even though he has all these very important repairs to make. Right. Because that's a totally normal Mm -hmm. thing. Like, if you forget something and have to go back and you're late for work... Just stop and play a game and pick up with your kids. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. 
And then, as though this is a sitcom, he walks the boys heroically into the house to eat a treat that their mom has made because it's getting dark outside and then he also has to get to his manly man work at the condo. Now, he gets in there and he sees this delicious looking pie. It's a chocolate pudding pie, but it also smells really bad. But he decides not to eat with the family because he's trying to lose weight. Oh, God. Come on, this is such yes, a ridiculous he story. He narrowly avoided the pie, guys. He narrowly avoided that it. That looks so tasty but smells so bad that he sh- he knows now that it was bad. Yeah. That's, in hindsight. Give me a break. All right. So after this, he leaves the kids to eat with their mom. He says he goes back to the condo. And then he fell asleep in the minivan. He literally says, quote, that he was trying to take a siesta. That's what he actually told the authorities, that he got back to the condo, that he still has been not working on all freaking day, and he wanted to take a short siesta in the car, which makes no sense, because he could just sleep in the in the condo if he was that sleepy. Yeah, for real. Like, that, that no, that makes no sense at all. Yeah, because remember, he was going to spend the night there, so it's not like this condo is like a construction site where he can't sleep. Yeah, exactly. All right, so this is his story that he's making up, and he's had like six months to plan, everyone. He fell asleep in the car. So he, instead of taking the siesta, he wakes up, and it's like the middle of the night slash morning like it's a more early morning hours and he's panicked and he's thinking oh no what am I gonna do I was supposed to be home a long time ago even though I said I was gonna sleep at the condo earlier in this story I'm supposed to do some sort of therapy treatment with Megan that I wasn't gonna do anyway but now I'm suddenly really worried about so I'm gonna go home in the middle of the night and just try to do this therapy thing with Megan and apologize to her because she's gonna be so mad at me the story just makes no mm-hmm. sense it's that's almost literally in- what he says oh yeah I mean I, that's just like who did he think was gonna believe this apparently someone (laughs) all right so when he gets home he finds this pudding pie the one that looks tasty but smells bad and in this pie he claims it's been laced with benadryl and tylenol pm ridiculous Mm -hmm. now he says that he spotted megan sitting at the top of their stairs and he just like walks past her for reasons that he doesn't fully explain i guess he's trying to say that he like had a a realization that something has gone down because she's just sitting there he doesn't say anything to her in this version of events rather you know to be fair so he walks up he goes to the kids rooms and he sees the kids dead in their beds and there's no signs of a struggle they're just deceased which again doesn't make sense because we know they've been two of them have been stabbed and also if there were no signs of a struggle then how would you know they were dead that's a very good point they would look sleeping if there was yeah you just glance in struggle right that's my opinion but i mean i'm not making up a fake story about how I murdered people so yeah all right so he says that megan came up to him while he was looking at the dead bodies and says are you okay really yeah that doesn't sound at all like what a murderer would say no and then he says that he replied no you murdered our children i'm such a hero i would never do that why would you do this to me well he didn't say that part that aaron said but I, w- I was trying to be melodramatic and, and mock this i liked one. it i liked it i just wanted to clarify Yes, yes, that's true. All right, so she replied, allegedly, in this dumb story, I released their souls. Really? That's what he says she said. God, that line makes me want to gag. Yeah, he had six months to make this story up, and this is the story that he made up. This is terrible. All right, now he says that Megan confessed to feeding the poison pie to the kids. Once they fell asleep, she says she separated them, and then at 11.30, she stabbed and suffocated them. Wait, but a minute, but a few minutes ago, he said that there was no signs of a struggle. I know. That's because he's bad at storytelling. Yeah, yes, he is. Also, he's about to get even stupider, so just be prepared, because it's going to get so stupid in just one second. Okay. All right, so he says that after she gave this confession, 
Megan stabbed herself in the abdomen, remember, twice with an eight-inch knife. She stabbed herself in the abdomen and then drank a family-sized bottle of Benadryl. There's a lot to unwrap there. So first she stabs herself, mm-hmm. not once, but twice. Mm-hmm. Eight-inch knife. Mm-hmm. With an eight-inch knife, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then after the stabbing, after mm-hmm. after she stabbed herself, then she yep. drinks the Benadryl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I have a hypothesis. So we, first of all, we know we freaking know that he did this, right? Like we know that. But that's just yeah. the whole story is so stupid. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. Like he knows he has to explain all the shit that he did, right? So he's thinking to himself. Okay, if she, whenever I gave her all the Benadryl, she fell asleep. So it probably makes more sense for her to stab herself first. That's what I think he was thinking. Like in real life, the Benadryl put her to sleep. So he's thinking if she takes the Benadryl first, then she might have fallen asleep and not being able to stab herself. Yep. So his dumb idea is that for some reason she would stab herself first, which really two stabs... It's already unrealistic to stab yourself, but it does occasionally happen. But twice with an eight inch blade, it went all the way in. Yeah, no way. I don't buy that at all. Like they got the knife measurement from measuring the wound. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So like, it's just so stupid. All right. So it gets even stupider somehow. Like, I don't even know how it's going to continue to get stupider, but it will. Neither do I. Okay. So Tony says that he would have called for help. Really, he would have, but he couldn't find any phones. Not one single phone. In 2020 or 2019, he couldn't find a single phone. None. There are no phones. Now, I know most people carry their cell phone with them. So presumably there should have been a phone in his pocket, but apparently not. Or his wife's pocket or his... Someone's pocket. Yeah. Apparently, he also could not go to a neighbor's house because there was no way at all that he could possibly get help. Yeah. So that part was like the part where it really got rich for me, where he's just like, yeah. Also, not to go back in time, but whenever Megan is allegedly killing herself, you're not able to at least knock the Benadryl out of her hand. I mean, she doesn't have like Hulk strength. She's literally just stabbed herself. Yeah, two times. I mean, I feel like if I'm there and I'm watching someone try to kill themselves, I'm not going to be like, no, don't. I wish I could stop you, but I'm all the way across the room. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. what are you doing? Yeah. And then I couldn't call the cops for three weeks afterwards. Exactly. Like, even if you're mad at this person, like, even if the rest of the story were true, even though we know it's not, like, you're just going to sit here and watch this person die? That's your plan? That's such a terrible... That's... It's just so awful. It's a terrible story to I try don't to even tell. know. I just really... I don't know how someone could watch that. I don't either. Like, one time... I saw a bird in distress and I almost lost it. We did help the bird. But like, I was unable to watch a bird be in distress. That is true. The bird did not even want our help. It was like, please stay away from me. But I'm like, no, you're not going to die today. It didn't die though. So that's what's important. There you go. All right. So at this point, Tony, who was unable to help, did do CPR until he ran out of strength. But unfortunately, he was not able to save them and just had to give up and not do anything else. Right. You just... He randomly tries CPR and then he's like, that's that's all I can do. Yeah. He, Can't call 911. Or go to a neighbor's house. Right. Okay. So at that point, he says he became weak and he puked. And then at, afterwards, after the puking, it, he decided to move all the kids into the bed he'd shared with his wife and then covered them with blankets to make them comfortable. And he also placed rosaries in their hands comfortable because he's crazy yeah that 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 is very clear all right now his reason for megan allegedly committing the murders is somehow that she had lyme disease and depression lyme disease yes and then he says that he's a good husband and father who took care of his family even though his wife was always sick this story has so many twists and turns Mm -hmm. like this is the worst yeah he like specifies he also tries to claim that he still loves her and that he will protect her dignity to the end and i was like really because you murdered her and then made 
a big fat lie about her. Yeah, like this is not the op- this is the opposite. Yes. So in this letter, Todd also claims that he tried to commit suicide himself around eight times, but he failed. However, I want to point out there's no evidence of this. Yeah, I mean, it sounds about right. Like it sounds like he's uh, God. He's just really bad at everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, after the murders, Tony made the totally normal decision. Just go about his business. He claims that he was in a haze, but what's for sure is that he never sought help for the kids or for his wife, and he didn't report any of the crimes. And although he blamed Megan in the letter, he also asked his father to keep this new story a secret. Now, it's unclear exactly why he'd accuse her and then ask them to not spread the rumor. I don't know if he was, like, hoping they secretly would, or if it's that he just wanted his family to think better of him. Yeah, that, that seems kind of likely to me that maybe he was looking to just kind of make himself look better to his dad. Yeah. Now, he also did mention that his lawyer said that this was a dumb idea, that his story was not good, and that they <laughs> shouldn't do it from that angle. Yeah, no no doubt. So maybe that's what's going on. Like, maybe he just realizes that his lawyer's like, no, we're not doing that. And then he was, like, hoping somehow that it would still get out. Because, I mean, to be fair, this did get out on, on to all the news. Yeah, I mean, a story that crazy is going to come out. Okay, now, according to the Orlando Sentinel, Tot wrote the letter after his father discussed a traumatic incident that happened in Anthony's past that he told the news about. And this is when it got even more what the fuck for me. So, in 1980, Tony's mother, Loretta, was shot in front of him. And he was four years old at the time and saw this attempted murder. Wow. Now, yes, now, in a crazy twist, the father, Robert, who was a teacher was convicted of hiring one of his students to kill his wife. What? Yeah, he was having a bunch of affairs. Wow. And he was actually at some lady's house having sexy fun time when the shooting occurred. So he has a convenient alibi. Well, I mean, it's not that convenient because the police were immediately like, it's that guy. Well, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Yeah, I think when you're at your mistress's house and your wife gets shot, that makes the police be more even more like, I think it's him. Yeah. Something tells me. I guess we know where uh, Tony got all of his good ideas for how to, you know, cover up crimes. Maybe so. Like like father, like son, you know, they're both really bad at crime. And definitely, for reals. I mean, because he, because the dad does go to jail. He still says he didn't do it. The dad, to this day, maintains his innocence. And, like, I don't know. I don't have, like, an opinion about this. Because, to me, it seems like they must have had a pretty good case. And, at first, the wife, the wife believed the dad. But then she eventually turned on him, too, and divorced him. Which was obviously hard for Tony, though. Good for her. Definitely good for her. All right. So, a Though, apparently, after he saw his mother being shot, Tony did suffer from nightmares and had to go to therapy for a while, which makes sense. It does. I mean, I I feel like I would need all the therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Now, in this letter... Anthony forgives Robert for not being there when his mother was shot because the father says his only thing that he feels bad about is that he wasn't there to protect them, that he didn't do the crime. Likely story. Barf, 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 barf. Barf. Anyway, so Anthony forgives his father for not being there the night that his mother was shot, and then he draws a parallel between his claim of not being there on the night his family was killed. Oh, my God. Like, this guy, I don't even know what to Mm -mm. say about this. Like, these dads are just both two heroes that if only they had been there, they could have stopped all these crimes. Yeah, they're two of a kind, that's for sure. That's for sure. Oh, my goodness, though. I just can't even with this. He's like, if only I would have been there, I could have saved them from her. And I'm like, really? 
Yeah, bullshit. You didn't even save her from herself, genius. That is a good Also, point. he for sure murdered them. Oh, yeah, 100%. All right. So, Todd, belie- he pleaded not guilty to the crimes for some reason and is being held without bond for reasons that I think are obvious. And he's got a public defender and he's waiting for his trial. And despite his attempts to blame Megan, the state is planning to use his confession in their case. And it's Florida and there are children that were murdered. So, they're, of course, seeking the death penalty. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's Florida. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I can I can understand why you would. I mean, I know we've talked about this, and you know that I'm not a big fan of the death penalty, but mm-hmm. I mean it's it's hard to really have a lot of sympathy yeah. for this man, you know, with with what he's done. Our official stance is death penalty bad, but it's just I feel like when it comes up, it's always something really bad like this, and I just don't have the heart to argue with them. Like, I mean, I guess I should, but I feel like in all the things that I care about, there's like real people that are being hurt in a lot of the issues that I care about, and maybe this is not the one that I'm gonna like be the most dedicated to no and that totally makes sense you know like, all right i'm not about to go grab a grab a protest flyer, yeah you know for, for this, this for guy, this guy. Yeah. maybe like someone who was maybe innocent but not mm. yeah not this guy all right so authorities and the, the his family have been searching for a motive for the murders and some people have suggested that his past trauma probably had something to do with some of it however it is important to remember that he was facing those federal charges and likely was going to prison for them at least for a little while maybe not for a long time but sometime probably and additionally he only had fifteen hundred dollars in assets and he had a lot of debt at least that one hundred thousand dollars worth of debt and he was definitely being evicted from the house in celebration and he was also facing some possible lawsuits so it looks like all he saw in his future at this point was ruin yeah that makes sense so we get to a classic story that probably sounds familiar And that's a family annihilation. That is a likely motive here. Now, if you are like Aaron and you were unfamiliar with family annihilation murders, which seems unlikely since you're listening to True Crime Podcast, there are four different types of family annihilators and they do tend to be men. Now, according to an article published in the Howard Journal of Criminal Justice, there are four types and they are the self-righteous annihilator, the disappointed annihilator, the anomic annihilator, and the paranoid annihilator. Now, as a brief overview, self-righteous killers usually feel like their family's falling apart they almost always blame the mother and sometimes they'll even like call her when they do the crime so they can be like this is your fault that i'm murdering them sounds like what this guy sounds a little bit like this guy almost you know well, where he's like blaming the he wife does blame the that. wife but it's a little different they don't blame they blame the wife for why the family's falling apart oh so okay. it's like if your wife were leaving you or like she got a really good job and your job sucked I got you. And you were a poopy head. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the disappointed killer usually feels like their family is letting them down. So these are people where like maybe their kids aren't going to church anymore or like their kids are doing like drugs or something. Um, the anomic killer is the one that frames their whole life around like economic successes. Um, and they usually feel like their family is an extension of this of this success and so anytime economic stress happens which is probably sounding familiar right now then they turn on their family and they kill them because they're no longer serving their purpose right and that's where this guy Mm -hmm. is and then there's last group that's the paranoid killer and they usually believe someone's threatening their killer their family i mean so sometimes they might just think their kids are being taken away or something like that and then they decide to kill them because they're being saved they're saving them right i actually think that like um one unlikely person that kind of fits underneath that is the andrea yates case because she kind of wipes out all of her kids because she thinks she's saving them. Yeah. All right. Now, Tony appears to fall into our anomic category because he was facing financial ruin. He was being evicted. He was going to jail. He had all these lawsuits. And according to the study, these male family annihilators, especially the ones that do the... um, 
the anomic stuff, the ones that are worried about the economy, they usually feel like their masculinity is tied to being like the father and the provider and like looking well off. Um, and when they fail, they fear this embarrassment and they almost feel like it's like they just can't handle their wife and their child thinking they're a failure and the whole world seeing it. So for some fucking reason, and to help their kids avoid this hardship of having their da- dad be poor, they decide it's smarter to um, kill them all. Which is a terrible idea. It really is. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's okay to be broke. It's okay to start over. It's okay if a family of five lives in a one-bedroom studio or something. That's fine. Like, don't kill your family. Yeah, for real. Don't kill your family, guys. I don't understand... I really don't like it's you can make a budget y'all like it's okay yeah seriously and that's why it really stood out to me that about them owning this condo and it's unclear to me why are they they, this house is expensive like this is a big beautiful like ginormous house with like a pool it's in a really expensive city like the the median income is like I want to say for a family is I want to say it was like around 91,000 or something like that it's a very affluent area wow like, you don't have to live in the most affluent area that you can find. Yeah. So I, I'm unclear as to how how we got to this point where it makes sense that, like, oh, I, I ran out of money. I guess I'll just kill all my family. Yeah, for real. That's... Like, there are food banks. It's fine. No one's judging. People are really not judging you as much as you think they are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if people care about you, they're not judging you. Yeah, even then. Like, don't do this. Yeah, don't kill your family. I feel like I... I feel like people are not actually planning this... They're not listening to this podcast being like, I should kill my family. I don't think that's what's happening, but... I really hope not. All right. Now, as I told you at the beginning of the show, um, 81% of family annihilators do try to kill themselves afterwards. So it's kind of rare-ish for them not to. Um, But I feel like it's been happening more and more because we've had a couple of big high-profile cases lately where the dad doesn't kill himself. Hmm. Occasionally, it's the mom, but it's usually the dad. Yeah. All right. Um, and I also want to point out that since it is usually usually the dad, like, dudes get away with running away from their families way more easily than women do. Like, women get judged way worse for that. You can just leave your family. Like, don't kill them. Just leave. Yeah, that's a lot better than Yeah, you can just say your wife was crazy. Is that, is that right? No, it's wrong. You probably shouldn't do that either. But if it's between killing them or saying your wife is crazy and leaving, just say she's crazy. Yeah, it's murder is never the answer. Yeah, this is me trying to give, I'm trying to give advice, but I feel like it's the less bad advice for these bad, bad news dudes. Yep. All right. So according to reporting in the Hartford Courant, Tony's sister, Chrissy, suspects that he didn't want his kids to see him go to prison. So he decided to kill them instead. And whatever his reasons for killing them, he still says that he loves his wife. Hard to believe, but. Mm -hmm. I I think that he's just too much of a narcissist to even love anyone but himself. Yeah. He has a problem. I agree. Yeah, he has some kind of problem. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like that's also part of the whole lying about what's going on and like going on like things are still happening. Like I feel like it's a level of narcissism where he's just like still trying to keep the image up and he's not so much worried about like, okay, I have these dead bodies. That's not putting as much pressure on him as, as like keeping up appearances still. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so obviously this case is ongoing because he's still pleading not guilty as of now. Um, And as, as of right now, he's also claiming that he doesn't remember what he told police. He doesn't remember anything. That's what he's going with. I guess it's easy to say that you just don't remember, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean... Yeah, that's always a red flag on crime shows, though. The cops know it, too, is that anytime they get a suspect into the room, they're like, um, yeah, so, like, I was at the party with the guy who died, and then I don't remember what happened after that. The cops just look at each other like, "Mm mm-hmm. 
Yo. This person did it. Yep, exactly. They're like, this is him. All right. Well, that's all for this story. I know that it was kind of a tragic one. And so you're probably feeling a tiny bit sad, but I hope that you got something out of it. And I think the twists and turns are very interesting in this story. So I hope you thought they were interesting too. If you do enjoy our podcast, Bad Axe Podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and please subscribe. Additionally, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bad Axe Pod. And we also have a Patreon account with four awesome benefit levels we are giving you a lot of really cool exclusive content including bonus episodes and different types of bonus episodes there's a lot of fun stuff happening over there um, we want to bring you all of the exclusive bonus content possible so check out bad axe pod on patreon thank you for listening we love you and bye bye bye